You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. It is so great to have you. My name is Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery, and we are at episode 20. I am so happy to be here. This is a fantastic little achievement for me. Um, Five straight months hitting a podcast every single week. I think I think I've missed one, and that was a holiday weekend. I think I was away, and I came back, and I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll do a great one the next time. So I haven't hit 20 in a row, but I've come pretty gosh darn close, and this is my second foray into podcasting. My first one was called Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. That one did get right around 40 or 50 episodes, but I was definitely not very um, consecutive with it, so I'm very happy that I was able to do this one for basically 20 in a row. Minus one, to be completely honest. Uh, What we're going to do now moving forward for the next um, at least 10, might even do 12 on this, haven't quite figured that out yet, but uh, I want to discuss the different kinds of ways that I've been handling my sobriety and recovery and really discussing and diving in deeper into the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual aspects of this. Um, one of the reasons why this has really come to mind to be the topic du jour for the next you know couple months is because I was talking with my dad yesterday, and he was a alcohol and drug rehabilitation counselor at a hospital in Dallas for well over 25 years. And he got into doing this, his work. I'd say based off what he was telling me by like year three, he had really decided that that's what he wanted to do was help other people get into sobriety and recovery and really, you know, be able to kick ass like he was doing. And then by year five, he started getting certified. And by year seven, he was completely certified um, unlike nowadays where you have to have a master's degree to work in his department, he was grandfathered in. So he didn't need the master's degree. He had life experience and all this other stuff that, um, you know, was definitely paid dividends greatly in his profession. And so as we were discussing uh, my sobriety yesterday, he was telling me that um, that there's a system that the, whether it's a system in place or whether it's a habit that they've seen that he was saying that in year one, really the addict takes on uh, a lot of focus on their physical body and getting it back repaired and in shape, not necessarily like, you know, ripped abs, but you know, in shape compared to whenever he was using year two is when they start to really start to put attention towards their mental acuity learning new things, really sharpening the mind, getting out of that haze, that doldrum that they were in during their addiction. And then year three was when the emotional work started to come in. And me coming up on month 29, I realized that this really has been a year of figuring out my emotional stuff a lot. And so because and we that's what got us into this conversation. So if you are in your first three years, be thinking to yourself, where have you followed this this trend? You know, did you put a lot of effort into your physical, then your mental year two, your your emotional year three? And this was the system that they had in place where he worked, uh, whether that's 
the model you followed, whether you've done it differently. Um, it's all up, you know, right? It's all up in the air. It's it's all available to you. There's an infinite ways to, to take this sobriety and recovery journey, whichever one you're choosing, as long as you're sober and in recovery, then you're winning, right? That's Every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. And I hope that you take that kind of mentality on as well, that nothing that's going on in life would be any better if we went back to our old ways. Um, clearly that wasn't working or we would never ever decided that we needed to stop. Right. And so um, looking at what I've been going through this year and really trying to figure out what is it that the next episodes and, and whatnot are going to be about. Uh, it was really like, okay, wow, let's discuss um, exactly where we're all at when it comes to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. I call these the four components of life. And you'll find that they really are um, really, I mean, if you can see it the way I do, that's, you know, everybody sees things their own way. I'm really big into how am I organizing my structure? How am I organizing my recovery? And I wrote a a program, a, a book, uh, it's in the beginning stages of a book. I think it's only at about 50 or 60 pages right now called Life's Blueprint, where I use the three spheres that we all have, um, career, self, and relationships. Um, those are the three spheres that make up every human's life. Um, I've tried, if you can find other things that you think are, are other good spheres, I can assure you they fit within my sphere structure and career uh, of career, self, and relationships. Each one of those spheres is made up of these four components, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, with spiritual not necessarily being religious. If you've listened to me uh, before, you know that um, for me, the spiritual takes on your morals, ethics, values, things of that nature, which can look like religion because religion teaches a heavy amount of moral ethics and values within its scriptures, regardless of which one you follow. It gives you keys of how you should live your life so that you can, um, you know, be going in the right direction, if you will, if if that's the best way to put it. Um, And so diving into moving forward, let's really start to harness our energy as a collective unit to look within ourselves and ask where are we putting forth a good amount of effort on our, on our physical, our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual. Because if you organize your sobriety and recovery and really start to prioritize certain aspects of it, what you'll be able to do is really start to figure out where it is that you can prioritize on any given day. And I am really big into being able to prioritize my days because then I don't feel like I'm just randomly doing things. There's a purpose for why I'm doing stuff the way that in the order that I'm doing it in. And it helps me move forward knowing that there's structure behind it. Last week I talked to with my therapist and we discussed how no one in this version of my life really knows what an unregulated Jesse Mogul looks like. But anyone who was around in my college years, and uh, there wasn't as many people around towards the latter parts of my of my drinking days because I had isolated myself so much. But people from Ball State or University of Florida certainly know what an unregulated Jesse Mogul looks like. And nowadays, people only see the very self-regulated version of me. 
uh, with the with my schedule blocked out and very structured and I wouldn't say rigid, you know, but I have a time block. Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when I work out. I have study time for my um, NLP tucked in for my life coaching scholars tucked in. I'm writing a book right now, so each day I'm doing 30 minutes to an hour of that, right? And so what I want for all of you is to be able to really start to prioritize what it is you're doing. So through that structure, through that scheduling, through just having an awareness and a mindfulness towards your sobriety and recovery, you'll actually be able to see, oh, I am changing. Like once in a while, you have to just stop and say, okay, let's, let's, take, a, let's take a look at what it is I've done over the last month or what it is I've done over the last three or nine, 12, whatever it might be, so that you can really you know, take stock of inventory. You know, that's, that's a term that they use in refuge recovery. Take inventory of what it is that you've been doing so that you can make sure that you're moving um, forward at, at the right kind of pace. You don't have to speed through this stuff, but you actually want to know that you're, you're, you're hitting certain benchmarks. So when dad brought up the fact that first year is when, you know, a lot of the people, and again, I didn't know I was going to do this as a podcast, so I didn't ask him to clarify. So I don't know if this is a system that his hospital had in place, or if this is just the tendency for most people who get into sobriety and recovery start to follow. But the idea that year one's physical, year two's mental, year three's emotional, and But by no means does this mean that you, once you're through year three, you stop working on these, but perhaps by then you've made giant gains in each one of them. And now you can just sort of uh, pay attention to each one as you see fit or schedule something in each day to cover all three. We'll dive into that once I start to really unwrap how I feel about that. For now, what I'm hearing myself say is that we know that everyone should have some attention being paid toward physical, emotional, mental, and the spiritual aspects of their sobriety and recovery. In fact, everyone should just be doing this in their lives in general, right? To blindly go through and not be paying attention to any of this stuff, it's like expecting to just blindly read pages out of a book in school and get an A when the test comes up. If you did, if you already knew the test was going to be on chapters 7 through 11, then that's the ones you should be studying for. Um, and so let's make sure that we're being mindful of what it is we're working towards so that we can be putting attention ex- exactly on that. So one of the things I want to run through here is I have had this in my show notes for a little while about the, this is where I was, this is what happened, and this is where I am now. And I really ha- I feel like maybe I discussed this in the pilot, which is still getting a lot of listens, and I love that that what I really wanted to have an opportunity here was just do like a, let's go back and let's do a little bit of a review since we're at episode 20 and we're marking into our next 20 episodes. Um, I guess in reality, I could have done this at episode 26 because that would have been exactly halfway through the year, but I've got something special planned for the last 12 episodes of this year. And I want to be able to do this one at 20, another one at 40, and then we're going to do our uh, send-off of the year, really thinking about what it is we're going to do to close the year strong and begin next year just as fast. 
Um, I have a whole theory on how one year actually sprints into January and the batons passed off at the beginning of February so that you have that extra month in there to finish off your major stuff from 20, what would be 2019 this year and to get 2020 up into speed. And we're going to really dive into that later on this year. And you're going to love it because last year I got a lot of great feedback on my Facebook lives that I did about this. And one of the projects I started right at the new year was this podcast. So that topic was um, already done. So we'll talk more about that later uh, when that comes up. So this is where I was when I decided sobriety and recovery was what I had to get into. Now, the moment alcohol touched my lips, I knew I was going to have to quit it one day. Same, you know, with with the drugs, with the, you know, with marijuana, I knew at some point that I would get over that. Um, with cocaine and LSD and ecstasy and ketamine, those are my other big ones. Um, I was not, uh, I was not so deluded in my thinking that I, I believed that I would do that for the, my entire life. Those, those were definitely drugs that I knew were taking a substantial amount of my time and energy and, and certainly my brain mentality and just my life. My body really started to, to be affected by those four drugs. Um, once I moved to Orlando in 1997 until I moved to Gainesville in 2001 to start college, those four years were really, really rough on me. I'm, I'm really surprised that I made it through that time in my life. So where I was when sobriety showed up into my life on January 13th, 2017, um, I got always hungover. Um, I was underachieving. I had determination, but no motivation, no direction whatsoever. Uh, I, back in the day, I used to tell people like I, I could always finish a project to 80% completion, but rarely would I be able to get that last 20% in, right? Like the hardest part, the part that's going to pay the most dividends is that last 20%. Society is filled with people who can get to 80%. It's that last 20%. It's the Michael Phelpses out there who swim those extra 20% of laps, who, who put in that extra 20% of effort. That's how you get the seven gold medals versus someone like Orion Lochte who got him, you know, got himself a couple medals, but also was the, was the dodo head who got busted for being drunk in Brazil and made an ass of himself. And, you know, where's he now? And so you look at who are those people that push through the last 80% and get to a hundred and you, it's not too hard to see them. Those are the ones that we can, that we call champions or we call millionaires or we call, you know, business owners. I mean, you've got them in your life that are probably on financially and uh, publicly much less successful people that may not know the successes they have, but you know, and you know, and you've seen them do it. And it doesn't mean that they have to be millionaires or gold medal winners. It could just mean that they're amazing parents or amazing children, or they're doing something within their community that really is an act of service. And so that's where I was, you know, the always hungover, the underachieving, the determined, but not motivated. This was who I was. And what ended up happening was on August 13th, twenty. 16, um, in a skydiving accident. No, that was the day I broke my leg playing football. So I did the compound fracturing to my leg skydiving a couple weeks earlier, but didn't realize um, it was that there was, it wasn't a compound fracture. Let me take that back. It was these little tiny, tiny fractures of the tibia and fibula at the knee joint. Um, cause I, I, I stuck my leg out. So it was, it was extended and, and semi locked when I landed during the skydiving, I was training for my class A certification. And so I, I felt a bit of a pop and the knee definitely hurt then, but it didn't hurt so bad that I thought I needed to go to the hospital. And, um, I, I was, 
the skydiving place was a few hours outside of Los Angeles. So um, I just shrugged it off, limped around a little bit. It hurt, but I thought, okay, no big deal. It's just sprained. I'll get over it. And a few weeks later, I was over it enough that I played flag football and I jumped up for the ball. And when my left leg planted because it was weakened from the from the mini fractures, I forget what they call those things, multiple. It wasn't like a huge fracture of the leg. It was like these little tiny. It was like, imagine if you like hit a piece of glass and you watched it splinter. That's what it looked inside my leg at the knee joint. And whenever I landed for that flag football, um, the the leg hyperextended backwards and that's whenever it completely broke. And that's when I tore my meniscus and my PCL that left me laying in bed for three months out of work, chewing through my savings and drinking myself into a a bloody stupor day after day, after day, after day, no internal uh, mechanism to shut it off. It was just, can I possibly drink myself out of this sorrow? No one, I didn't reach out to anyone. I just, I, I just disconnected from the world around me, let the phone ring, let the text messages pile up. And I hit, uh, I hit 220 pounds and really just didn't know how to stop. What was the most important thing that happened was that my sister chose to go into um, her own alcohol rehabilitation. And she was living in Oklahoma at the time. And so she went to Colorado and I had some money saved up. So I helped her with some bills and whatnot and got her out there. And uh, she did, it was amazing to see her take that step. And she took the step first. It was, it gave me proof that it could be done. Um, She ultimately had to go through a few more relapses before she was able to really submit herself into sobriety. And I'm happy to say that she's well past 18 months now. And I'm extremely proud of you, Leslie, you know, uh, shout out to you for being where you're at in your sobriety journey. And, but that was it for me. When I saw her do it, I, I went out to Colorado. I remember drinking pretty heavily on the nights that I would leave her at the, at the, at the center. And uh, then I'd go back the next day hungover and be listening to all this alcohol education stuff. And um, there was a couple of times that we talked on the phone with her therapist and I would cry about how I just, I didn't know how to stop myself. And so ultimately um, my body started to shut down. Um, I won't go into the gruesome details, but for anybody who's felt their body, seen their body, what it starts to do whenever parts of it start to shut off, um, just, you know, and we'll leave it at that. Um, and so I stepped into sobriety and recovery on January 13th. I had my last drink on January 12th and I, January 13th, I stopped drinking January that was a Friday, and by Monday on the 16th, I uh, went to Kaiser, and I checked myself in, and I did the outpatient program, and I'm still a member of Kaiser, and I, and I absolutely love what they've been able to help me accomplish. Shout out to my uh, therapist, uh, Mel Ninte. Um, and she has just been amazing. And so where am I now? Uh, here we are coming up on 29 months and I am a certified life coach, certified business coach, an NLP master practitioner, uh, multiple certifications in various forms of coaching. Uh, I do public speaking on positive habit creation through mindfulness and intention setting. Uh, lots of motivational, inspirational growth mindset language within my within my keynote addresses. I'm a podcaster, clearly, as you're listening to me. On this show, I also have another one I just launched, College Success Habits, which has been ranking in the top 10 of new and noteworthy ever since it launched. 
It's absolutely doing fantastic. I'm extremely happy with that. Uh, my Instagram account for from sobriety to recovery is thriving. I have amazing conversations with people within that community that uh, I've fostered. I'm very happy with that. I'm building one for college success habits because it's a whole different group of people. And I want to make sure that I get to them and, and talk to them about the way that they are living their lives and the way that they can start to have more positive habits in, uh, built around everything they're doing. Because really... The whole idea with going to speaking at colleges and high schools is to turn a back door in on these kids and say, look, the choices you're making now are, are, will lead you somewhere. Be in control of where it leads you. Because if you're out of control and you're just doing things without being mindful, without intention, you're going to wake up one day as a 40-year-old drunk, you know, former drug addict who has to get himself into sobriety and pick up the pieces or whatever's left over. Right, and um, even though I'm reading this book right now called The Naked Roommate to do some research for my book on college success habits, and he might, I think he puts maybe 15 or 20 pages into alcohol and then another 15 or 20 pages into drug use on campus. And he throws a lot of stats out about how one third of students haven't had a drink in the last 30 days, and most students aren't drinking, you know, to excess and all that. And I'm, I don't believe it. I don't care who does who did a study. I think that the people who answer aren't telling the truth or they're finding the wrong people. And I get that I surrounded myself with drunks in college and people who wanted to party all the time. But at the same time, like I know that that number is higher. And even if it isn't, even if it isn't, even if one third really aren't, that's two thirds that are drinking within the last 30 days. That's two thirds of the people who probably are drinking to excess at least once a week. And even if there's only 10 or 20% of those that are drinking to super excess, Every single, you know, every time they, you know, at least once or twice or three times a week or blacking out at least once or vomiting or whatever it might be, that's still too many. And I really just want to get out there and and just talk to these kids and let them know that even though I'm 42, I still feel like a kid, still certainly have the maturity level of one. And so, you know, think about what it is you're doing and really have some mindfulness towards that. And that's what I want to bring about for the next 10 to 12 episodes of this. And we might go all 20 on this because really the topics can be so varied within the structure that I'm laying down of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. But it's key for me to know that I'm, I'm, I'm meeting you where you're at. And because I'm talking to thousands of people, I don't know where you're all at. So I'm just extremely mindful to not get too far ahead of myself in some of these conversations where I start to just assume everyone's where I'm at. And some people at 29, coming up on 29 months are more, could be ahead of me, could be behind me. There is no, this isn't a race. So there's no behead or behead or a hind, behead or a hind, (laughs) ahead or behind. (laughs) There we go. Let's use my words. Uh, What there really is, is we're all on our own journey. Uh, But I did make some comments last week about how you're prioritizing and focusing your schedule each day. And I remember having this amazing, amazing turnaround right in the middle of that show where I was telling you guys that you know, you can't prior, you shouldn't be prioritizing getting up in the morning and taking a shower and going to work or picking your kid up from school because these are basic things that you should be accomplishing, right? Like my therapist would say, you don't get extra credit for doing what you're supposed to be doing. You don't get extra credit for doing your job. You don't get extra credit for being a good employee. You don't get extra credit for being a good parent because you picked up your kid on time from school. That's the basic stuff that you should be doing. That being said, 
this is where I had the turnaround during last week's episode, was that I don't know where you're at. And if you're coming down off of a, an intense amount of years in heroin, meth, um, alcohol, coke, whatever it might be, just getting out of bed and looking at yourself in the mirror could be your priority for the day. And I said, like I said last week, it's a beautiful thing. Do that. Make that your priority if that's where you're at. Where So go back and listen to last week's if you'd like more. That's episode 19. But by all means, at the same time, if you are further ahead in your sobriety and recovery, then putting one of your focuses down for the day, being to pick your kid up from school, it doesn't get to count anymore. Right? You're not where you were. You are where you're at now. And so that's what we're going to be diving into is, you know, for those of you who might be at day one or month one or month three or six, and, and you're still trying to pick up all these pieces, DM me over on Instagram and let me know what's going on. Cause I'd love to do a, a, a show about that aspect of it. Cause as I would really move forward on this, um, these next, you know, couple months with this physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, um, layout, if you will, um, sort of, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's going to be the structure of how we put these things together. Um, everyone's going to be at a different place and I'm not going to run so far ahead that I leave those, those newcomers behind, but I'm not going to stay so here at the beginning that those of you who are old timers can't still learn. We're really going to do a, a great job. I say we're, We're going to do it together because you're going to listen, but I'm going to put a great deal of effort in on my end to make sure that I'm structuring these shows to be effective to everybody, no matter where you're at, Um, because I don't want to alienate anyone um, ever. That's, you know, although at the same time, somebody says, if you try to please everyone, you you please no one. So uh, there's going to be some, some give and take on this. And by all means, please DM me over on Instagram. I would love to have a conversation about this to see how it is I can be the most effective to help you. Because I have no doubt whatever you're going through, there's another couple hundred thousand and they would love to hear your story um, or they would love for me to present your information, your story so that we can grow together. So that's what we're going to do. I'm really excited about it. And we're doing this again because, you know, I'm think I haven't yet to have a guest on and I'm going to bring my dad on as my first one. I just need to get him comfortable on a microphone. Uh, what's going to end up happening is I'm just going to ask him some questions about what he's learned in all this and what his perspective is as someone who was a, a rehabilitation counselor for almost three decades and is now retired and living, living the life with his wife in a beautiful, beautiful home in Oklahoma. And so, you know, he's gone through the muck and mire that we have. And he, was, I didn't live with him as a child. He, um, he lived in Texas. I lived in Indiana and Florida with my stepdad and my mom. And uh, I see how I was raised and I, that my path led me down the road of addiction. And I see how he raised my brother, Eric, who doesn't struggle with the things that I do when it comes to addiction and is really just totally dominating and kicking ass at life. And shout out to my brother, Eric, for just being just, you know, even as the older brother that I am by 10 years, um, I still really admire what he's done. And I, and I look up to his accomplishments and, and I really push myself to have similar kinds of life achievements. Um, I don't feel threatened by his success. If anything, I feel like it is it is just amazing momentum that carries me forward with him. It's like I watched the Indy 500 last weekend for the Memorial Day and the cars draft each other, right? Like you want that car in front of you to go really, really, really fast because when you get into it slipstream, it pulls you up to it and then you can slip by, you, then it slingshots you and now you're going even faster than your car would 
probably was even capable of because of the speed in which that car, that front car was going. And that's how I see uh, everyone in your circle should be like that. It's the, it's the goose at the front and everyone else get, you know, gets to draft and use less energy. And then somebody slingshots past. And then now that leading duck gets to be drafted and it gets to conserve energy. And then it gets to slingshot past. So it's this constant weaving. I'm using my hands here and I'm weaving them in and out. Um, it's a constant weaving and you want people who are pushing themselves forward so that they'll help push you forward. And at some point you'll launch past and then they'll be able to see what you're doing and implement that in their life. And then they'll launch past. And it's, it's very symbiotic and it, it's a teammate situation, not a competition situation. And that's the world that we are creating over here at from sobriety to recovery. So follow me on Instagram and be a part of that community because it's really amazing. Um, the kind of support I see others giving one another another um, on that platform. It is absolutely spectacular. So we're going to dive deep into this stuff and really come at the heart of what it is that we are battling through. And so, um, you know, because I'm at the emotional stage right now, it has been amazing to see the kind of issues that I'm, I'm, I'm working through. T- working through. And uh, if you want to go back to episode five and 10, those were on emotional maturity and uh, I got some great stuff right there. Uh, so you'll be able to catch, catch up on the emotional maturity aspect, which we will, of course, dive into even more moving forward. Um, so that's it for this episode. I'm really excited that we are at 20. Thank you so much if you've been listening. Do keep in mind that uh, everything I say is, of course, my opinion and, and from my own experiences and my journey. And if you'd like to throw your hat in the ring and discuss what it is you've been going through, again, hit me up over on Instagram. Um, I check through my DMs, not every day, but I certainly do go through them and just uh, leave me a little message. Uh, you can get lost in all of them once in a while. So please uh, be fervent if I don't respond and just uh, hit me back up again uh, or leave a comment. I read all the comments on my posts and uh, at least give it a heart and uh, sometimes respond back if, if you directly said something to me. So if you're not getting any love off the DM, then by all means, then say, hey, I'm trying to reach out to you. Would you mind, you know, hitting me up? Do leave that in the comments and I will see it. I love you all so much. I thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I'd love to know where you were, uh, what happened that got you into sobriety and recovery. Where are you now? What are the accomplishments that you're feeling um proud of yourself. Uh, I have an episode that we're going to do as part of this next few months called Pride versus Proud and what it is to be prideful versus being proud and whether it's, you know, um, a sense of accomplishment within yourself or an arrogance. That's going to be a really great one. I can't wait to discuss it. So that's it. Once again, thank you so much, my friends, for joining me here on From Sobriety to Recovery. It is amazing that we have made it to episode 20. I can't wait for the next 32 that will get us through this year. It is awesome. Much love, everyone. As always, be kind to one another. The power of positive energy, release and flow. Take care. Love y'all. Bye-bye. 